our series on the armor of God. We're going to continue. We've talked about uh, several pieces. We've got this week and one more before we finish. We talked about the belt of truth. We begin, we have to know the truth. The other pieces of armor sort of intersect with the truth at some point along the way. We've talked about that. We've talked about uh, the shoes of the gospel of peace. Uh, gospel shoes of peace. You have to be grounded in the gospel uh, so that you can stand firm against the attacks of Satan. We've talked about uh, the breastplate of righteousness. We've talked about the shield of faith. Um, all of these components make up the armor of God. And today we move into the next piece of armor. What you think often influences what you do. How we think determines how we act. And that's why the next piece of armor that we're going to talk about that Paul introduces to us is the helmet of salvation. You have to have your head protected. Now, last night I got uh, the kids to round up uh, whatever helmets we had at our house, or a few of them at least. And I do have a couple of them that I want to show you today. Uh, the first one, if I can get it out of here, this is for Timmy's go-kart. It is a motorcycle helmet, and uh, he uses this because, you know, we're not going to let him ride that thing without his head being protected, right? So we've got a motorcycle helmet. If you ride a motorcycle, hopefully you have a helmet uh, to protect your head. So we have that. Let me put that here. And Timmy just finished baseball, All-Stars. That's where we actually were last week, was at his All-Stars. So I borrowed his much-used baseball helmet. Uh, he wears this when he bats, of course, playing baseball. And as you can see, uh, these mostly are Timmy's because I guess he's the biggest risk taker in the family. And I'm not sure. I think, is this one yours too, bud? I don't think so, no. <laughs> this is the one helmet that Annie got for me, the her bicycle helmet. Annie lives in pink and purple and sparkles, and that's no different when she's on her bike. But this is her bicycle helmet. But what do all these have in common? And the idea is that you wear them to protect your head. Why is it so very important that you protect your head? Well, if your head gets damaged, then the rest of you can be damaged too. I mean, you can break your arm and you can still function pretty well. But if you break your head, if your brain is injured, it can, it can affect how you function, how you communicate, the knowledge that you have, the rest of your body. Uh, functions can be greatly hindered with an injury to the brain. That's why it's so very important that if you're doing something where your head could be injured, you need to have it protected. So what's the point? What's the lesson here? Well, in life, spiritually, don't do life with an unprotected head. Okay, that's why the helmet of salvation is so very important. Just as the brain controls the body, our minds affect our will and our emotions, and we have to make sure we're protected spiritually as we do battle. God has given us a helmet, and we're in this series called Battle Gear, Living Strong in the Midst of Life Struggles. We're learning how to take all of these pieces of armor that God gives us and use them to fight spiritual battles every day, to live strong in the midst of life struggles. And God gives us these different pieces of armor. We know that the world is a mess. It's a struggle to live for Christ every day. Part of us probably, we think it shouldn't be, but it is. It's tough to live in this world for the Lord. And one of the key ingredients to doing that is that we need to learn to view the world the way that God and His Word view the world. And the understanding the armor of God 
is a vital piece to that. We're going to read again Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13, where we're challenged to take up the armor of God. Beginning in verse 10, Paul says, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. I've said this before, but your battle is not against your husband or your wife. It's not against your coworker. It's not against your friend. It's not even against your enemy. It is against Satan and all of his followers in this spiritual realm that comes to bear upon the physical realm. There is a spiritual war that goes on daily. We can't see it physically, but we can feel it. It impacts our lives. It is against all of these forces in the spiritual realm. Paul reminds us, verse 13, this is why you must take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. We have to take our stand in the armor of God because as I just mentioned, we are in this cosmic spiritual war. You can't see it. It's going on all around us though and we can sure feel it. The impact we feel each and every day. It is real. The enemy is real. But thankfully, Jesus is victory. He's accomplished victory for us. If you remember, there are two things we need to remember. First of all, if you're a follower of Christ, you're not being called to join the war. This isn't a series about, hey, everybody, let's join the war. No, if you are a follower of Christ, you are in the war already. You're already in it. The second thing, though, thankfully, we're also not called to win the war because the war's already been won. The victory's already been accomplished by Jesus through his death, burial, and resurrection. So we're fighting from victory, not for victory. But the war still goes on. It's real and it's all around us. But thankfully, God has given us some armor. He's given us practical, spiritual, but practical, tangible things that we can use to live strong in the midst of life struggles, the armor of God. And that's what we've been talking about, and that's what we're going to talk about for the next two weeks as we complete this series. Now, in Ephesians 6, 17, we've talked about the, the armor, pieces of armor we've covered. In Ephesians 6, 17, Paul tells us, take up the helmet of salvation. Again, the helmet's so very important because your head has to be protected. With the helmet, Paul, he's doing what he does so many times. He's using something physical. Just as I do with these illustrations, he's using something physical to show a spiritual truth. Just like the head, the brain controls the function of the body, the mind controls our will and our emotions. So in spiritual battle from day to day, our minds have to be protected. Paul's under house arrest. He's chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He spent a lot of time looking at this soldier's armor. He knows what each piece is and what each piece is used for. And the helmet, he understood that a Roman soldier's helmet was vital for battle. And just like everything else in this day, the Romans had the best. And the Roman soldier's helmet was the best. Now, I've got a picture of a replica of that helmet. 
And you can see this is a replica, but this is essentially what it was. It was an iron skull cap. It was decorated with silver, gold. If you could see closely, maybe you can, you can see some artwork there. It was decorated with fine artwork. The, 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 on the top, that would be, this is a replica or is horsehair. Could be feathers, but they would dye those red, and here's why. It represented blood. The Roman soldiers wanted you to know, we're coming for your blood. That's what they wanted you to know. It was very intimidating. It also had on the inside, it would have leather or, or some sort of cloth to make it fit better and for it to be comfortable. You can see on the back, there's a flap that protected their neck. There were hinge flaps on the side that protected their cheekbones, their temples, because you know, if you get whacked in the temple, that's bad news. And so that was protected. The only part that would not be protected had a chin strap to keep it on, much like the motorcycle helmet there. The only part that wouldn't be protected would be the eyes and, and the nose and the mouth. I mean, you can't cover your eyes and see, so they had to leave that open. But the whole point here is that a Roman soldier, he's not going to go into battle unprotected. He's not going to go into battle without his helmet. Because you, if you're going to be in battle, you think about it. There are a lot of things that can happen to you. And like the helmet protects the head, the truth of our salvation protects our minds from Satan's attacks. In battle, this, this Roman soldier faced a lot of attacks and, and his opponent knew if he could whack him in the head, he could cause him to be vulnerable. And in spiritual battle, our heads have to be protected, our minds, and they're protected by the truth of God's word from Satan's attacks. Satan always goes for the mind. We talked about this just a few weeks ago because as I said at the beginning, what we think comes to bear in how we act. I mean, every action begins with a thought, right? And so if Satan can influence us to think the way he does, to look at the world the way he does, then our actions, we're going to respond to that and live accordingly. However, if we have the helmet of salvation and we're living by the truth of God, his word, then we're going to live according to that and we will be protected from those attacks from Satan and even from being knocked over from time to time, which if you're knocked over in battle, Roman soldier, you're, you're dead. And so we're protected. So in order to be fully protected by the helmet of salvation, we need to first respect the influence of the mind. Since this is why we have this helmet, because the mind has such influence over what we do, we need to learn to respect the influence of the mind, what we, what we think we act on. Many times in Satan, he wants to attack our mind, as I just said. How does he do that? Well, he's going to try to get you to doubt that God is real. He's going to try to get you to doubt that God's word is true, that all of it is true, and that you have to accept all of it. He's going to get you to doubt that Jesus really loves you, that he's real. He wants you to doubt your salvation. He wants you to live with uncertainty, with fear. He's going to attack you with the difficult things you experience in life. Sickness, the death of a loved one, some other tragedy. He's going to say, hey, if God really loved you, why would he allow these things to happen to you? I mean, really? You really believe that God loves you and you're having to suffer through all of these things? You see, Satan wants to create unrest in our lives because if he can do that, he knows we won't be acting on faith and we won't be acting on the truth of God's word. We won't be protected. He uses doubts to deceive us. Uh, he, he uses doubts to discourage us. He wants to discourage us so that we will go into battle unprotected. He wants us, listen, he wants us to lose our minds. 
spiritually and actually mentally so that we will be so disoriented we will be completely we'll be living not in the victory that Jesus has already accomplished we'll be living defeated lives as if we were defeated even though we have victory from an eternal standpoint but God has told us to put on the helmet of salvation. Satan's going to use whatever weapons he can find to attack us, but God has told us to put on the helmet of salvation so that he can provide us with strength and instruction. There's a great illustration for this. I didn't have a football helmet, but there's a great illustration for this in the game of football. In the pros, the quarterback has a helmet that's, that has a, a speaker system, a, a communication built in, right? He can hear high above him a guy that's the offensive coordinator that instructs him. You know, the quarterback is the guy that, that calls the plays. He directs the team. He is, he is the commander on the field, right? And so the defense, they're going to do everything they can to keep that quarterback from executing his offense. They're going to try to knock him off his feet every single time, every play. If, if, a, if a defensive back can cause the quarterback to eat dirt every play, then he's had a good game, right? That's what he wants. He wants to completely disrupt what he's trying to do. But the quarterback, he has high up in that tower an, an offensive coordinator who sees the whole field. He studied hours and hours and hours of game fi- film. He knows what plays to call. He knows, he studied the opponent, he knows where their weak points are, he, he's able to instruct the quarterback through those earpieces how to move, where he's vulnerable, what plays to call, where the defense is vulnerable so he'll know where to attack, he gives him instruction. And, and have you ever watched a football game where the quarterback will do this, trying to get the crowd to quiet down so he can hear through the earpieces? You know, sometimes in life, there are a lot of voices that we hear, aren't there? There are people that are criticizing. There are people that are giving their opinions. And hey, sometimes even people are trying to help, but it's not the right help we need, or it's not help that they're actually giving. And there are times where we have to quiet the voices around us so that we can hear God clearly. And you can't hear God if you don't have the helmet of salvation on. But here's what happens when you've got the helmet of salvation on. The Holy Spirit speaks to you and directs you. You see, God is high above all that we're experiencing. He sees the big picture. We only see what's right in front of us. His perspective, he sees it all. And he's studied the game film a lot longer than we have because he's been here forever, since the beginning of time before that. He's infinite. And he knows the enemy better than we do. He knows where the enemy is vulnerable. He knows where the enemy is going to attack you. And he knows how to give us, he knows the instructions to give us so that we can not only stand firm, but advance the gospel. He's going to give us everything we need and the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us, giving us strength, giving us instruction, giving us all that we need to be able to live strong in the midst of life struggles. We need the helmet of salvation. We need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit clearly as we serve the Lord. God wants to speak truth to our minds so that we'll be equipped. Put it another way, wearing the helmet of salvation means we constantly remind ourselves and fill our minds with the truth of our salvation in Jesus Christ. See, in the midst of those attacks, you need to be reminded whose you are, who you belong to. You need to be reminded that you don't have to live in defeat because you have victory. Not because of what you've done, not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. 
And there are three hours. We need to understand salvation. And there are three areas of salvation. There's the past. We have the knowledge that we're saved. There's the present. We can have assurance of salvation in the present. And there's the future. There's the hope that one day we will be perfect in the presence of Jesus Christ. That we will have sin removed. All that together. Past, present, future. When Satan tries to attack us, we need to have that knowledge. That past knowledge, present assurance, future hope is the helmet of salvation. Those three things make up the helmet of salvation. Proverbs 23, 7 warns us, as a man thinks within himself, so he is. What we think has so much impact on what we do and who we are, what we are. What we, we do, what we think, what Satan wants to do when he shows up, he has his own little headset that he wants to try to get us to wear. He wants to feed our minds with lies, with untruth, with distortions of the truth. He's really good at bending, giving you just enough truth, but changing it just enough. And again, what, the reason he wants to do that is so that we will respond to that, what we think is true based on what he's told us and that we'll live our lives accordingly. But through the helmet of salvation... God tells us what we are really and what we have in him, the the truth of salvation. And there's one core truth in life that will keep you grounded in the midst of attacks. And that's the knowledge that I know I'm saved and that I'm secure in Christ. I know that no matter what, when Satan's attacking me, no matter what's going on in my life, I am eternally saved in Jesus and absolutely nothing can take that away. I am secure in Christ. Satan wants to cause you to doubt that, but God wants you to be firm and secure in that. He doesn't want you to live in doubt and discouragement. He wants you to be firm. We have to understand salvation. We need to operate on that reality. And in order to do that, we need to understand to realize the depths of salvation. I mean, salvation, when a soldier goes into battle, any old helmet's not going to do. I mean, these helmets are good for what they are, but you know, yeah, there are other helmets, you know, if you're a warrior, if you're a soldier, you go into battle, you have a helmet. You know, if you work on a construction site, you have a helmet. If you're a fireman, you've got a helmet. I mean, each different versions for different things, but they all serve to protect the head. If a soldier is going to go into battle, he's not going to pick just any old hat, any old helmet, right? He's going to pick the one that's designed to protect him in battle. And we, likewise, as we go into battle every day, any old hat's not going to do. We've got to have the right one. We need to understand, in order to do that, we need to understand the meaning of salvation. In verse 17, the word salvation that's used literally means to be rescued, delivered, or set free. And so when we're looking at the concept of salvation, the word that Paul's using here, it's not just being born again. I mean, yes, salvation is I'm born again, I'm set free. But as I just mentioned, there is a past, a present, And a future idea here. When it comes to salvation, we need to understand it's not just what happened in the past. I'm not just saved and set free from sin. I am. But there's more to to it than that. And wearing the helmet of salvation means I need to understand those three components. Past, present, and future. In the past, I have the knowledge that I've been saved. I know that as a seven-year-old boy, I accepted Christ and he set me free from sin at that point. At that moment... When Christ entered my life, I was justified before God. I was 
made right with God. That is the past knowledge. Justification is the moment at which all my sins are removed. Past, I'm forgiven, past, present, and future, and I'm made right with God. That's the past. But that's not all there is. We've talked about this to, to some degree. There's the present part, the present tense of salvation that produces assurance. And the way that I have assurance in the present is that I am continually molded and shaped into the image of Jesus Christ. God, the moment you're saved, he goes to work on your heart. Yes, you are right with God, but then you enter the process of sanctification where Jesus continues by the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through you. He makes you like himself and that process lasts the rest of your life. But here's the thing. As God sanctifies you, the more sanctified you are, the more you become like Christ, the more assurance you have in life. That's what produces assurance. If you're having trouble, if you know you were saved, but you are doubting your salvation, that's a good place to look. Am I being sanctified in the presence, in the present? Am I being made like Christ? Now, I'm going to try to illustrate that the best I can. I brought some balloons with me this morning, and here's what happens when you are lost okay the moment you are saved i'm gonna blow this balloon up preachers are full of hot air right i'm gonna try catch my breath blow this balloon up and here's what happens when you're lost you're filled with all kinds of stuff but it's not good stuff right all right so this is filled yes with hot air but we're going to say that hot air represents sin and that's where we are right before we meet jesus we are filled with sin and it, we're born with it and even if we weren't born with it we choose it we continue to sin so What's going to have to happen in order for what's in here to be replaced with something else? It's got to be released, right? I've got to let it out. Now, how do I release, how do I get rid of the sin in my life? Well, I have to come to Christ and confess it, but by doing that, all the sin is removed from my life. He forgives me of all my sin. He provides forgiveness for my past sins, but God knows everything. He's given me forgiveness for the future as well. Now, I'm going to have to confess sin even as a Christian, in order to maintain fellowship with him. But what he does is once that sin is removed, something else has to fill it. And the things I do for an illustration, all right, here we go. But he's going to fill it with his Holy Spirit. Because if I don't replace that sin with the Holy Spirit, something else is going to fill that spot. But he fills it with his presence and with the Holy Spirit. Y'all bear with me. All right, so he fills it with the Holy Spirit but here's the thing, and here's where the coffee mug comes in, the coffee pot comes in. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, but once this is full, I can't get it out, can I? I could pull hard enough, and I'd pop the balloon, and everybody would laugh and have a good time, but I'm not going to do that, okay? The point is, is I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, but I'm also protected by the Holy Spirit. And through that process of sanctification, as the Holy Spirit fills my life, I'm conformed to His image I'm conformed to him, and I have assurance that nothing is going to remove me from the presence of God. God himself said, nothing can take you out of my hands. So there's the past. I have the knowledge of salvation, but there's the present too, that as I'm being shaped into the image of Christ, I am secure in my salvation. But then there's also the future tense, glorification, that one day I'm going to stand before the presence, in the presence of God, face to face. Not only will I be face to face with Jesus, I will be as Jesus is. 
Because as long as I'm here on earth, there are going to be things that I struggle with, right? There are going to be sins that I commit no matter how hard I try. I'm going to hopefully be being sanctified every day and become more like Jesus every day, but I'm still imperfect. Not until the day that God brings me home, only then will I be perfected in his presence. But that's what we have to look forward to, right? As believers, we look forward in hope, not gee, I hope so, but in confidence, we look forward to the day that we will be perfected. So that, those are the components. When we're talking about the helmet of salvation, we're not just talking about that moment we were saved. We're talking about the knowledge of the past. Yes, I've been saved and I can know that. I can be secure in that. But also, I can be assured in the presence as I'm being made like Christ. And I'm looking forward to, I can handle anything in life, anything that life throws at me, any attack that Satan brings to me because I know it's only temporary. Heaven's my home. Jesus is my Savior, and nothing can take that away. Nothing can change the fact that I now belong to Him. That is the helmet of salvation. So when, when Satan attacks you, you've got to have that on, and you've got to have it secure. You've got to have that knowledge. You've got to have that assurance, and you've got to be living with an eternal perspective, looking forward to the day that you will see Jesus face to face. Justification removes our sins. Sanctification makes us more like Jesus and gives us assurance, but glorification is what we all have to look forward to as we look forward to the day that we'll see Jesus face to face. Paul uses this same meaning of salvation in Romans 1.16. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, but then also to the Greek. This is power to be saved, but listen, the same power that saved you, that resurrection power gives you the strength to live for Jesus from day to day. It gives us the strength to live strong in the midst of life's battles because it is a difficult struggle to live for the Lord. There's a great verse, no matter what you face, whatever bondage, whatever addiction, whatever temptation, whatever emotional struggle you have, you can live strong because you have resurrection power. A great verse that illustrates the multidimensional nature, the multidimensional use of the word salvation is one that we quote a lot. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, Paul says, for you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God, not from works so that no one can boast, for we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for what purpose? To do good works. There's an order, by grace, through faith, for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. Paul tells us that salvation is by grace, through faith, for good works. And then in Colossians 2, 6, he says, therefore, as you've received Christ... By grace, through faith, walk in him for good works. Here's what he's saying. The same power, the same way you were saved, by faith, through grace, is how you are to live. It is by faith, through grace, that I live from day to day. That I go about this spiritual struggle from day to day. And unless we fully comprehend the multi-dimensional aspect of salvation, past, present, and future. I brought one more hat with me. We'll be going into battle wearing something like this. Now, if I'm going to go into battle, I, this is Timmy's ball cap. It wouldn't fit me anyway. But if I'm going into battle, I'm not wearing a ball cap, right? I won't last very long. I mean, it knocked in the head and I'll be useless. But if we don't go into battle fully understanding salvation, we might as well be going into battle with this. 
unprepared, completely unprepared for the attacks of Satan from day to day. In order to have that proper preparation, we need to respond to God's provision of grace. We live by grace. We're saved by grace. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we live by grace. Through faith in Jesus Christ. Grace has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with you. Grace is all about what God has done for you, independent of you. The problem is, is that many people try to earn grace, which is, makes it not grace anymore. But that's, we try to earn God's favor. I mean, we think that if we do enough good things that God will be favorable on us, that he'll like us, that he'll love us. Because that's kind of the way life is, right? You work hard, you do good things, you get an attaboy, and you're, you know, you're, you're good. People appreciate it. You get praise. Well, the problem is, is that you cannot earn God's favor. And, and, and missing this concept of I can't be good enough to earn God's favor is what has a lot of people going into battle with this instead of the helmet of salvation, because what it does is it, it's the difference between relationship and religion. Religion says that if you go to church, if you serve more, if you give more, if you're nice to people, God will be nice to you. But the truth is, there is nothing you can do to make God love you more. Now that sounds bad, but here's why you can't do anything to make God love you more. He already loves you with a perfect love. He settled that. By sending his son Jesus to die for your sins. We can't earn God's favor. Grace has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with what God has done. Some of us are working so, and listen, I know some of you are tired today. And the reason some of you are tired is because you're working so hard to be good. You want to be good. You want to do the right things. And you're working hard. The problem is, is you're trying to do it on your own. You're trying to earn God's favor when God says, listen, accept my grace. Live in my grace. And if you accept grace, that will result in good works. We're saved by grace through faith for good works. Works are the result of salvation, not what earns it for us. God loves you and you don't have to try to make him love you anymore. You just need to accept his grace. The key to accessing grace is faith that's grounded in the truth. Remember, the belt of truth is first for a reason. All these other components intersect with the truth at some point. And grace that we experience, salvation, is based on the truth of who God is and what he's done. Grace for living from day to day is based on the truth of God's word. Grace for living in victory is a huge part of wearing the helmet of salvation. And when you live in the provision of God's grace, you get to revel in the new life that God's provided. When you fully embrace what I've been talking about, salvation, past, present, and future, all that that means, being free from sin, assurance in the presence, living by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, for good works. You know, Paul, he, he, he lived as a result of what he had experienced. He tried earning God's favor, and he exhausted himself, and then he learned what salvation was all about. But we need to learn the same thing. 
When you do learn that, when we fully comprehend that, that's when we experience life in victory the way God intended. That's when we learn we have all we need in Christ to live strong in the midst of life's struggles. That's when we will become the new person that God wants us to be, that he's, he made us in salvation and is continuing to conform us into. The, you know, the federal government has what's called the Witness Protection Program. You've heard of this where they take individuals who have testified against someone who now wants them dead. Their testimony has caused them to be in prison, or maybe they're still out there, or there are people that, that are loyal to them that are out there that now want you dead. So what the government does is if you accept it, they will take you and they will give you a new identity. They'll give you a new name, new social security number. They may even change your looks in order to protect you from that enemy. But you have to accept that. If you don't accept the government's protection, then they're not going to protect you. They're not going to force it on you, but you have to accept it. If you do accept it, they will protect you and you'll be safe. When we came to Christ, when you accepted Christ, if you were a follower of Christ, you testified against Satan. Every day that you live for Christ, your life is a testimony against Satan. And he's not happy about that. Matter of fact, he wants you dead. He's going to do whatever it takes to knock you off your feet. If, he's, if you're saved, he can't have your soul, but he sure can cause you to live a defeated life if you let him. But here's what God provides for us. When we come to him, when he saves us, he gives us a brand new identity. Our identity is now in Christ. As a matter of fact, we bear his name. We're Christians. We're little Christs. We're in the family of God and we have his identity. And here's what he will do. He won't change your looks, but he will change the way you look at yourself. Because what he'll do if you let him is he'll show you how he looks at you. And if you can look at yourself how he looks at you, that will change the way you live. You will live with a new identity. You'll live in Christ. And you'll live with the knowledge of salvation, the security of salvation, and the hope for glorification. It'll change the way you live. He'll give you all that you need to do battle from day to day, every single day. One way God wants to change you is for you to understand that grace comes through faith, what we've just talked about, that you live the same way you were saved is the way you have to live. Take Paul. I mentioned a minute ago, he spent years trying to do the right thing. He was the best at it. He was a legalist. He was a Pharisee. And he was the best rule follower there was. But he nearly exhausted himself. Even to the detriment of his own health. He, he was so very strict in following the rules. But in 1 Corinthians 15.10 he says, But by grace, by gra not what I did, but by grace I am what I am. By grace I am what I am. In fact, Paul's response to that grace is that that's what produced the good works in his life. He continues the same statement, the same verse. And his grace toward me was not ineffective. However, I worked more than any of them, yet not I, but God's grace that was in me. Paul said that when he understood grace, he didn't get lazy. He worked more, but not to earn God's favor. He worked because of the favor he had received the grace he'd received. See, here's the thing. True grace, if you experience grace, God's grace, grace never produces laziness. If you tell me I'm saved and I'm going to sit back and do nothing because I'm good, I, it's not my call, but I'm going to doubt your salvation because grace produces good works because it's not, 
is no longer I'm working to earn God's favor. I'm now working to show God how much I appreciate what he's done for me. I'm showing my love for him. I'm working to serve the Lord because I can please him now. I couldn't before, but now because of his grace, I can please him. Grace produces more works, not to earn God's favor. I already have that. Grace produces works to show the faith that I have in him. And not only is grace the channel for God extending his favor of blessing and blessings in your life, it's also a means of delivering us from what we really deserve, and that's death and separation from God. Romans 5, 6, 6 through 9, for while we were still helpless, at the right time God died, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone might dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, lost, undeserving, Christ died for us. Much more than, don't forget verse 9, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we can be saved from the wrath of God. That phrase, much more than, is so very important because what it means is what's coming after is greater than what's before. We think of salvation, we think of the wrath of God, and people misunderstand this verse so much. They think Paul's talking about being rescued from the wrath of God in hell. And yes, we are, but he, he said, he's already said you're justified, so you know you're not going to hell. He's talking about the wrath of God that we can experience here on earth. And yes, God's wrath is experienced on earth. Sin, the consequences of sin, sin comes built in with God's wrath already. When you sin, you experience consequences. But what this is saying is the same grace that saved you gives you the ability to live for God in the present and resist temptation, to flee from Satan, to not sin, the strength of God. We, we still choose to sin, but we have the power of God that, that we can use to keep from sinning. And by avoiding sin, we avoid God's wrath. Much more than you have the power of God to live for him in the present. And Romans 1, 18 and 19 tells us what this means. For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. We can live for Christ in the present because God has given us the ability to do so. And one of the attacks of Satan is that he wants you to live like you're defeated. He wants you to live as if you haven't been set free. He, want, he doesn't want you to live in the victory that God's already provided through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. He wants you to be discouraged. He wants you to doubt God. He wants you to be living in disbelief even though you've accepted the truth. He wants to convince you that there's nothing you can do for the Lord. And that's the truth. There's nothing you can do for the Lord, but God has already given you all you need by your salvation that you experienced in the past, your sanctification in the present, and the, the, the future of glory that we have to look forward to. You have all you need through the helmet of salvation, the armor of God, to live for him in the present. To live, not just survive, but to live strong in the midst of life's struggles. We're set free to serve him. The salvation, the helmet of salvation, it not only takes us to heaven, but it supplies us with everything that we need to live for Christ here on earth. You know, that soldier, he had his helmet because... If somebody hit him in the head, he could be dizzy, disoriented, compromised. If he's on his horse, he could fall off, he could hit his head. 
If he got hit hard enough, it could kill him instantly. The sa- Satan's going to hit you. He wants to disorient you. He wants to knock you off your feet. We've got to have the helmet of salvation in order to be able to defend. Past knowledge of salvation, present assurance through sanctification, and the hope, the confidence of future glory, perfection in the presence of God. We've got to have that to be protected. And here is the truth that we need to be reminded of constantly. I am saved, and regardless of what may happen to me now, I have certainty that Jesus and heaven are waiting for me. I can look forward to the fact that Jesus and heaven are waiting for me, no matter what happens on earth. Last week, we were at Timmy's World Series, his all-star World Series, and there was a lot of bad weather. We had games postponed. There was a tropical storm that came through. We've experienced bad weather in our family, Hurricane Katrina. Um, Over the past few years, recent years, we've experienced a lot of bad weather around here, haven't we? I mean, tornadoes is one of the, are one of the, the first things we probably think of. We lived on the coast for a few years, and, and they, everybody down there fears hurricanes. Well, here you fear tornadoes, because that's what we get most of. And did you know that in a tornado, the number one cause of death is blunt force trauma to the head? You know, my parents, they live in a house now where they have a storm shelter, but the house I grew up in did not have a storm shelter, didn't have a basement. And, and one day I was over at their house at their old house, and I was in the, the, the guest bath, and I looked in the closet, and they had bicycle helmets in the closet. And I mean, it just struck me, why, why do they have bicycle helmets? So I asked them, I said, guys, why do y'all have bicycle helmets in the closet? And they said, well, James Spann, who if you don't know James Spann, he's like the celebrity meteorologist in Birmingham. Everybody looks to James Spann to know what to do. He said, you need to get bicycle helmets and put them in your closet. If you don't have a basement, you need to get in the bathtub with your bicycle helmet on so your head will be protected. And I just immediately had this picture of my mom and dad in the bathtub with their bicycle helmets on. And, you know, I had to laugh a little bit. But here's the deal. They're not doing it to make a fashion statement. They're doing it for what purpose? They're doing it to protect their heads. Because if you get hit in the head, you're done. In life, as we go through from day to day, day in, day out, Satan, he is going to attack you. And the only thing that will protect you from the blunt force trauma of Satan's attacks to your mind is the helmet of salvation. That's it. God gives us a helmet, and it's perfect. Just like the Roman soldier's helmet was the best there was in that time, more than that, the helmet of salvation is the best there is for all time. To the knowledge of the past, I know I'm saved. I know I'm saved in the present. I know I'm secure. I've got assurance. Nothing can take that salvation away from me. And I know for a fact that I'm saved today. Satan can't have me. And one day, I know for sure that I'm going to stand face-to-face in the presence of Jesus Christ, perfected just as he is, with that knowledge, with that assurance, knowing nothing can take that away from me. There is nothing Satan can throw at me that not by my power, by the strength of the Holy Spirit, there is nothing that I can't handle. There's nothing that can defeat me because it's the Holy Spirit living in and through me. So my question this morning First and foremost, do you have your helmet? Any old helmet won't do. Do you have your helmet, the helmet of salvation? Do you know you're saved? Without a doubt. If not, Jesus, his arms are wide open. 
He wants you to experience the same grace that I've experienced, that many of us here today have experienced. If you are saved, Paul says, take the helmet of salvation. You have to receive it, but then you got to put it on and strap it on tight. Have you got your helmet strapped on? Are you living with the knowledge of salvation? Are you being sanctified in the present? Are you living with that eternal perspective toward the future? If not, what needs to happen in your life to make sure you're properly equipped? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for saving us and setting us free. All that you've done to protect us, to provide for us, setting us free from sin and to protect us in the present. You continue to work on us. We're all a work in progress, but you never give up. You continue to mold us and shape us into your image so that we can have sanctification and security that comes with that. Lord, I just I know that there, there may be somebody here today who they're... They're struggling through life. They're trying to do the right things. They're trying to be good. But, but God, they've never, they're not equipped because they've never received the gift of grace, salvation. They've never opened their hearts to accept you and the salvation that only you can provide, Jesus, through your death, burial, and resurrection. And Father, I pray that, that if there's somebody here today who doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation for them. For those of us who know you, we need to, to stop right now in this moment as we think about all of, all of the pieces of armor, especially this one. We need to make sure that we are, we are being intentional about, a, about putting on that armor every day. That we are, are putting on our helmet, that we understand what salvation is, what it means for us today living for you, the power to live for you, and, and what, it, what we have to look forward to in the future. We need to, to strap it on tight and be prepared because if we do, we will be able to withstand the attacks of Satan. But if not, we'll be living defeated lives. Lord, I pray that you would just, just talk to us. Just speak to our hearts and show us how we need to respond to your word. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. And we ask that your will be done in this place. That any other commitments that need to be made will be made. Father, we pray all of this. In the name of your son, Jesus, through whom we have salvation. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Would you stand for our time of commitment?